0: What's going on guys? You're listening to Moonlight Madness on Weagle 91.1 from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday. I'm Jacob Goins and over the next hour I'll be discussing the hottest topics in sports around the country and around Auburn Athletics. Follow me on Twitter at Goins2Jacob, that's G-O-I-N-S, the number 2, Jacob, for all show updates and other sporting news. Let's get into the show. Welcome into Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins. And man, it is good to be back in the studio from Christmas break. It's been almost, or at least over a month since we've been back in the studio here at Auburn University. And man, it feels so good to be back at Weagle, back in the studio, and back at school overall. They came in and put some new carpet in, in the studio and at the station over break. It looks really nice. And... It just feels good to be back, man. It feels good to be back in Auburn, back in the studio, back to the grind, of on the radio with school and working and everything like that. So it feels really good to be back. Good to be back here on the show, Moonlight Madness. This is the first show of the spring semester. And as of right now, we are still going to be every Thursday night from 7 to 8 p.m. right here on WGL 91.1 FM. And then immediately after, it gets uploaded as a podcast to Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts, you can just search Moodlight Madness and you'll find it there. Tonight I'm welcoming my the best guest I've ever had, probably, because he comes in all the time. Daniel Locke is here with
1: me tonight. Daniel, welcome back. Thank you, Jacob. It's great to be back. It's great to be here back in Auburn. I had a phenomenal winter break. I got to go to Disney World, got to see our boy Chuma play. It was filled with family time, sporting events, just Everything I love in a winter break, I got to have, and I hope yours was just as good. It was,
0: man. I was extremely busy. It seems like I went everywhere, and I was running all the time, seeing family and taking a little family vacation down to Key West, and ultimately making the trip over to Tuscaloosa on Tuesday night to watch Auburn basketball take care of Bendis in T-Town, and I know you were there as well, including a lot of our Auburn students and fan base. We turned out really well, and I was I was really impressed by that.
1: I was. We made a statement there. And I one of my good buddies, Will, who goes to Alabama, he posted on his story the day after the game, like, come on, Alabama students, we got to do that to them. And I slid up on his story on Instagram I said, good luck, buddy. You cannot do that in Auburn Arena.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because Auburn fans show up and show out, including our students. And not saying that the students don't show out at Alabama, but there were in empty seats there the other night. So There were, and that's not something you see down here
1: for a game of that magnitude. Absolutely.
0: So like I said, I made the trip over with my girlfriend Erica. We went over Tuesday night, drove back Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, I guess, got back around 2 a.m. Classes started Wednesday. But ultimately, we're back here in Auburn, back in the groove and back on the grind here on the Moonlight Madness every Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. If you've been with us since last semester, you know the drill. We've got the big three. We'll take a look around Auburn Athletics. I'll give you a live score update from scores and games all around the country, and at the end we will take a look at what are the odds. And if you're new, that's the rundown. That's how we run things. So let's jump right into the big three. Starting with number one, the game of the week, besides the Auburn-Alabama basketball game, was the football game played on the turf Monday night between Georgia and Alabama up in Indianapolis. And what a national title game it was. That's the matchup that most people predicted coming into the season because ultimately – I think both of those teams were just the two best teams to start the season and end the season, and that's why they ended in the national title game because, one, they come from the best conference in college football, the SEC, and, two, they just have more talent than everybody else. They out-recruit everybody, and they out-play everybody, and that's just how it goes. So, Daniel, what were your initial thoughts as Georgia beat Alabama to win their first national championship in over 40 years?
1: You know, I was surprised And also disappointed. I was really hoping that Alabama would pull it out. Because, I mean, I know that, like, you know, we're both huge Auburn fans. But if Alabama were to win another, would it really matter? Like, at this point right now, it would be old news. But now, we've got to see Georgia win one for the first time since 1980. And now they're going to start making 2010 jokes. And we can't come right back saying, well, y'all haven't even seen one in your lifetime.
0: Which is interesting because that's the take I took as well, was what does it mean if Alabama wins another national championship? But let's take that note for a second because how incredible is it that a a program can get to that level that Nick Saban has brought Alabama to where if they win a national title, a national championship, nobody cares. It doesn't even matter because they've done it so much or they're there every year that if they
1: win, nobody would have even cared. Right, or they would have cared for a minute, like an hour, the rest of the night, but by now, like I said, it would have been old news. And so now that Georgia, like you said, has won their first
0: national title since 1980, that was the running joke for Auburn fans was 1980, but now they have something else to use on the recruiting trail, and that was the take that I took. That was the stance that I was taking was, if Alabama wins another national title, if Nick Saban wins another national title, What does that mean? Like, he's done it all. He has proved that he can do just about anything. And if he would have won again on Monday night, that would have been number seven for him, I believe. And everybody knows that he can win. He can recruit, he can win, and he can put guys in the NFL. And winning another national title was just going to add on to that. But it wasn't going to add a ton because everybody knows that already. Georgia, on the other hand, sure, they've been able to recruit insane right now in the last five years with Kirby Smart but the one thing that's always hung over their head is that Kirby has never won a national title he's gotten there he's done everything but win a national title have top recruiting classes he had never beaten Alabama and that's what we thought and that's what we knew was going to have to happen for them to win that national title but on the recruiting trail when Kirby Smart would walk into a home of a recruit that's the one thing he couldn't say he's done is win a national title But now he's done it. And now he can say, come play for Georgia, where we now win national championships, where now we feel we're going to dethrone Alabama and be the next dynasty in college football.
1: Oh, man, I hate even hearing that. That makes me sick to my stomach. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe this can be a one-and-done type thing. I'm going to hold out hope on that. So you're going to pull for the, the LSU of 2019, huh? Yes, very much so. So we'll see
0: how it goes. But I I said it, I told a lot of people that I know, especially Auburn fans, as crazy as it sounds, Auburn fans really needed Alabama to win that game. Of course, we didn't want Alabama to win. We didn't want Georgia to win either. But the lesser of the two evils in that scenario, in my opinion, was Alabama to win the national championship because it doesn't hurt us at all. We've grown up watching Alabama win constantly. And that doesn't hurt us at all because everybody knows that they can do it. But now people know that Georgia is able to do it. Kirby Smart is able to do it. They had a lot of talent on that team. And they did it with a former walk-on quarterback, Stetson Bennett.
1: What about that? Yeah, that's the insane thing to me because normally, like most of the time, when we see Alabama lose a game, the other team has a generational talent at quarterback you know, your Trevor Lawrence or your Joe Burrow or Cam Newton or just some insane high-level quarterback, that shocks me. That's, that's, and I thought that's what Georgia was going – That's I thought that was going to be your ultimate stumbling block is that they didn't have a decent – or I'm not going to say that, but – They didn't have an amazing quarterback out there. Because, I mean, yeah, he's won a national champ or helped a team win a national championship, but you can't convince me that he did that on his own.
0: Right. And I don't think there's many people that would put themselves on the hill of Stetson Bennett's a fantastic, great, outstanding quarterback. I wouldn't say he isn't. You know, I'm not saying he is. He's not great. Okay. He's not. He's good, and he did what he had to do. And I give the the guy. Yeah, he got the job done, absolutely, and he came in, a former walk-on, came in, won the starting job after JT Daniels went out with an injury, and he never looked back. He never gave them a reason to take him out, and a lot of people all year long, Georgia fans and non-Georgia fans were like, why are we not playing JT Daniels? The guy who is, what, a four- or five-star quarterback recruit comes in, and he?" The dude can play football, and he's a good quarterback, but he was sitting on the bench. He's healthy, ready to go. But once Stetson Bennett came in, he never gave them a reason to take him out. And if you're a coach, if the guy that you've got out there is winning games, why would you take him out?
1: Right. That's kind of where I'm at on that. Um, and the quarterback is such an important piece of any football team that you just don't see teams with bad quarterbacks win national championships or Super Bowls or anything. In my opinion, the most important thing is offensive line. But then it's followed pretty close by a quarterback. Well, both of them go hand in hand. And right. Georgia's offensive line is has a
0: bunch of studs, which gave Stetson Bennett time to do what he needed to do. And he was throwing good balls, finding open receivers, throwing it away when he needed to, scrambling when he needed to, not taking dumb sacks and making – turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, what have you. And like you said, he got the job done. So credit to that guy, man. What a what a story for him to come in as a walk-on, get the starting job due to injury, and then just never look back. He took that Georgia team and just kept winning, and that's all he does. He's a winner, and you can't say anything else about him right now other than he is a winner.
1: Yeah, and I really wish that wasn't the case I really wish we could laugh at him the other day, and be like, what do you have to show for? Absolutely nothing. But, however, we can't do that, and all we can do is pray for Caleb. Pray for Caleb Williams. That's all we can do right now.
0: I have a bad feeling that Caleb Williams is
1: not coming to Auburn, but... Yeah, I that's, feel like Zach Calzada kind of messed that up. Yeah, I
0: mean, I don't know. I have some stuff about Calzada later on in the show that Auburn picked up in the portal from Texas A&M, and... The thing that threw it off was there was a quarterback from USC, a a pretty big recruit from USC that just decommitted this week. So, And Caleb Williams has been spending time out in L.A. and down out in Southern California. I just think he's going to go out there. I think he's going to follow Lincoln Riley and go out there because I think that's where he has the best chance to play, improve, and ultimately go to the NFL because that's what he said. He said, my one goal is to play and get to the NFL. So we'll see on Caleb Williams coming to Auburn. But to wrap up this segment, Georgia beat Alabama in the national title game. Both teams took care of business in the semifinal round. Georgia made Michigan look bad, which Michigan wasn't great to begin with. But Georgia handled business, made Michigan look bad. And then Alabama took care of Cincinnati like we thought both of those teams would. And they came in, and Georgia also covered the spread, by the way. Covered the spread. They were three-point favorites by kickoff, and Georgia ended up covering their spread. Beat Alabama by double digits in the national title game. And, I mean, what more can you say? Georgia did it. First time in over 40 years. So now they have their have that to hang their hat on and use on the recruiting trail. And Kirby Smart finally got over the hump, and he beat Nick Saban. So anything else you want to say about Georgia as your 2021-2022 national champions of college football, Daniel.
1: I am eagerly looking forward to turning the page. Well, you heard it here from
0: two Auburn fans ourselves. Not happy that Georgia won, but what can you do when your two biggest rivals are playing in the national title game? And to watch finish it off. NBA. <laughs> watch the NBA. Watch college basketball. We're at basketball school
1: now. You know it.
0: The one thing I will say to end this, this just proves my point that Brian Harson, the head coach of Auburn football, has the hardest coaching job in America. Has the hardest coaching job in America.
1: I would have to agree.
0: Look at his two biggest rivals; they're winning national championships, both of them, and that's pretty hard to compete against. That's going to wrap impossible. up. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. What did you say?
1: Go ahead. It is almost impossible to, you know, do what he's doing, and he's he defied the odds this year. Our recruiting class coming in next year is way better than it was originally, so I'm optimistic for the future here.
0: No doubt about it. We'll dip into Auburn's recruiting class for football coming up when we take a look around Auburn Athletics. But that's going to wrap up number one of the big three. When we come back from break, we're going to dive into the NFL playoffs with Super Wildcard Weekend coming up in just a few days. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on WGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins, joined by Daniel Locke here in studio on the campus of Auburn University, we are rolling on with the Big 3 into number 2 tonight, so let's jump into it. Number 2 on the Big 3, NFL playoffs coming up this weekend. It is the Super Wild Card Weekend, is how they are advertising it on TV. It's going to be across at least three stations like platforms, uh, Fox, CBS, and NBC, I believe, oh, all three forgetting of them. Oh, a big one. Oh, ESPN, they have one you're too, forgetting don't they?
1: are a big one. Who? Nickelodeon. Oh, are they doing that again? Yeah. Well, I will have to say that was pretty neat last year to watch my Saints play on Nickelodeon. Yeah. You're
0: probably not going to catch me watching a playoff game on Nickelodeon. Come on, Jacob. Hey, if if that's how somebody wants to watch it, they can watch it on there. But ESPN has one on Monday night, so I think there's four. Four different stations get playoff games, which is kind of crazy. But anyway, super Wildcard weekend coming up. Regular season of the NFL Is done. It was the longest season of history of the NFL since they added a Week 18, which turned out to be awesome, which turned out to be so entertaining to watch, especially that Sunday night game. Had everybody in the league was watching that game between the Chargers and the Raiders to see who was going to make the playoffs. And what
1: a wild scene that was. That was. It's so awesome to see our boy Daniel Carlson. Nail the put the nail in the coffin for the Chargers. Steelers fans were very happy. If you're an Auburn fan, but you're also a Steelers fan, that was the moment for you. Uh, unfortunately, my team was not so lucky on Sunday when we needed the Rams to beat the 49ers. They had a decent lead, and they blew it. And unfortunately, we are staying in the bayou, but, you know... It was still a great ride. Very fun to watch this team this year fight through adversity. I'm very excited to watch the playoffs. Well, if the Saints could just find a quarterback, they'd probably be all right. Yeah.
0: So, yes, so the Raiders and the Chargers on that Sunday night game turned out to be maybe the the game of the year because it was just incredible. Yeah, I don't think that's an overreaction at all. It was incredible. And I literally think just about every fan of the NFL was watching that game Sunday night and – it came down to this. If the Chargers won, they were in, and the Raiders were out. If the Raiders won, they were in, and the Chargers were out. But here was the interesting point, and this is why everybody watched it. For some reason, if they tied, both teams would make it into the playoffs, which is crazy to think about. But it that's how the, the numbers and the math worked out. If both of those teams tied, they would both make the playoffs. They would have different seeds, but they would ultimately make the playoffs. And so the game went on. Both teams came out like they were going to win the game, wanting to win the game. And then it got a little interesting. They sent it to overtime. And at that point, the entire country is cheering for a tie, which is incredible because I hate ties. And I was why I caught myself cheering for the tie. And then both teams went back and forth. And then the Raiders got the ball with what? 2 minutes to go, something like that. Yeah. And it seemed like they got, you know, they got the first down. 2 minute warning had already happened, clock's running. And there was it seemed like a mutual agreement of we're just going to tie. Let's both go to the playoffs. Yeah. And then yeah, so then yeah, the Raiders get the first down. Clock's running. Clock is running with, what, like a minute 10, minute 20 to go? Mm-hmm. The yeah. Chargers call a timeout. They call a timeout for no reason. The Raiders had the first down. Seemed like they were no in no hurry whatsoever. And it seemed like there was a mutual agreement. We're going to kneel out, let the clock run out. Let's both go home happy. Let's prepare for the playoffs. But then the Chargers called a timeout to maybe try and get the ball back. But they were in no rush to call it, and then they called it so late that the Raiders said, okay, you know what, let's win this game and let's bring out one of the best kickers in the NFL right now, the hottest kicker in the NFL right now, to kick this 40-yard field goal and send us to the playoffs and send you home crying. Daniel Carlson came out, no doubt about it, he nailed it. Raiders to the playoffs, Chargers, you're going home.
1: Yeah, that's what got- – I um heard a really good quote from Aaron Rodgers that I like. He's like, "You don't you play to win," so because people were saying like, "Ah, they should have just kneeled out," but no, like you're in this to win, and that helps get you a better seed. It looks better on your record. You should always go for the win, in my opinion. No doubt. And the Raiders
0: got a better, like you said, a better seed by winning the game rather than tying. But I really do think they were gonna just kneel it out and tie because after the game, there was a great post game interview on the field with Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback for Las Vegas. And he said, they asked him a question like, did the Chargers timeout change your mentality or something like that was the question. And he said, yeah, absolutely. He said it, it changed our game plan. He didn't say specifically like once they did that we wanted to win or whatever, but he said it changed our game plan. And you could obviously see that it did because they were in no hurry to do anything and the Chargers called a timeout. And they brought out Daniel Carlson to hit a game-winning field goal. His, I don't even know, fourth or fifth maybe of the year, yeah. something like that. He's just on fire right now. So the Minnesota Vikings and uh, Mike Zimmer are kicking themselves right now. He also got fired, by the way.
1: Yeah, I saw that. Pretty funny. So,
0: And if you remember the Vikings, they they released and kicked Daniel Carlson off the team after a horrible playoff performance a few years ago. They had to. Had to do it. He, he crumbled, he choked, missed three field goals, an extra point. You know, he just had the worst game of his entire life in the playoffs. So it, it was terrible. They cut him, Raiders picked him up, and he's been dominant ever since.
1: Yeah, and that's just, you, you never know what you're going to get with those guys who are kind of struggling. And kickers are, it, they're weird in a way that you just never know. Like, it's all about mentality. It's all in their head. I really think it is
0: and he's been dominant for the Raiders this season. Because I was
1: talking to my dad one time. I'm sorry to cut you off there. No, you're good. But I was talking to my dad one time about how it seems like kickers would be the easiest thing to scout because the field, it's grass. The goalposts are the same height, the same width. So it seems like that would be the easiest thing to replicate from one level of football to the next. But I, I guess you just get these guys that just get all up in their head, and then all of a sudden they can't hit a field goal anymore.
0: Well, it's like somebody shooting a free throw in basketball. If you're in your head about that you're going to miss it, more than likely, you're going to end up missing it. Right. So he's been dominant, though, so far. I hope they go far and get to see him do his thing in the playoffs. But coming up this weekend, there are six wild-card games in the playoffs, of course, with the new format. They're all wild-card games. The top seed gets the bye in each conference. Everybody else, you got to play your way in. And so in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans got the number one seed after winning on – Sunday and then the Packers had already locked up the number 1 seed in the NFC, so their week 18 game didn't matter. They lost to the Lions. And but it didn't matter. It was a blowaway game anyway. So both of those teams have the number 1 seed. So two games on Saturday and four games, no, two games Saturday, three games Sunday, one game Monday. So it truly is a super wild card weekend.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed the format last year of just, you know, having a few days of NFL football, and it's just very fun.
0: No doubt. So there's six games going on this weekend. The one I'm probably most interested in, mm, man, there's so many good games this weekend. There's three of them that I'm just real, – four of them I'm really ecstatic about. Raiders, Bengals, Patriots, Bills, uh, 49ers, Cowboys, and Cardinals-Rams on Monday night. Those four games are going to be really interesting. I have some picks for those later and what are the odds, but make sure you're tuned in to NFL this weekend, along with college basketball, a lot going on this weekend around the NFL. We're going to switch into the last segment of the big three, number three, and it's an idea that I wanted to discuss with you, Daniel, because it's such a hot topic right now in college athletics. It's the transfer portal. We've seen so many college athletes from multiple sports Enter into this transfer portal, and there's a lot of discussion right now on whether it's a good or a bad thing for college athletics, especially college football and college basketball. So, what is your opinion on the transfer portal overall and whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing for schools and for athletes?
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives you have to think about. For example, um, Paul Towson at Alabama, the grand, great grandson or grandson—I can't remember which one—of um, the one and only uh, Paul Bear Bryant. You know, he had that family legacy, so he decides to take his talents to Alabama, and you know, it just—that's a very hard place to play. And I'm sure he's a very capable quarterback, but you know, it just it's some for some guys at some schools, it just they never get the opportunity to show what they can do. So if I was a decently touted recruit coming out of high school and I'm at a program and I've been there for, you know, two seasons, I think he played there, maybe three, and I haven't gotten off the bench, I'm going to take my talents elsewhere. That's just what I want to do if that's why I feel like I would have to do to preserve my career and maybe play at the next level. So for times like that, I feel like it's good. Or if, you know, for whatever reason, the guy wanted to play closer to home, You know, just what have you. I feel like it's good. But, however, I also feel like a lot of times it gets abused. Just like anything good, there's always cons. And you have guys that, I don't know, might try to use that as like a leverage chip with their coach. I'm not sure how well that'd work, but I'm sure someone's tried it. And just stuff like that and just trying to take advantage of it one way or the other. So that's how I feel like it's kind of a bad thing and i don't know it's just it gets crazy like right now there's so many like good players in the transfer portal and yeah it's it's crazy yeah everything you said
0: i agree with um i looked up the numbers earlier today and since august 1st of this year of this recruiting cycle or this season whatever you want to call it in college football alone in the fbs the 128 schools of the fbs i think it's 130 now so the 130 schools of the FBS, there have been over 1,400 kids enter the transfer portal just this season. That's That averages out to 11 kids per school in the FBS have entered their name into the transfer portal. Doesn't mean all of them have transferred, because the good thing about it is you can enter your name in the transfer portal, but ultimately, if you decide, well, I think I want to stay, you can pull your name out and you can – stay and play and do whatever like normal and nothing happens. And for me, the transfer portal started out as a good thing, and I think it's good for the athletes, but when it comes to coaches and administrations and programs, like you said, I think it's getting abused and I think it's it's getting ugly behind the scenes. For athletes, it's absolutely perfect. Like you said, if there's a guy that feels like he's not getting his fair share, not getting the playing time he wants, he should absolutely have the right to be able to go and play somewhere else and try out his talents somewhere else. He, I I think every student athlete, man or woman, you know, should have that opportunity to transfer and play somewhere else. If there's a, a girls college basketball player that is not starting, she's riding the bench, but she feels that she's good enough to play somewhere else, she should have that right to put her name in the portal, see who's out there that wants her, see where she can fit, and go and play somewhere else. So on that side of things, I think it's really good. But at the same time, I don't think it was meant for 1,500 kids to just be transferring schools left and right. It's almost become a free agency type thing, like you see in the NFL or the NBA. Like... And now I, I see reports and hear stories of coaches and, and programs working behind the scenes with athletes that are at other schools, and they're talking to them while they're still enrolled at other places. And that's not right. that's not It's against the rules, literally. But they're doing it anyway, because that's how college athletics works. It's just how it works. Football, basketball, softball, you name it. That's just how it works. And so in that case, I think the transfer portal is really hurting, and I think it's only going to get worse. But for the athletes, it's good. They can do what they need to do, take the best route for them. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to get really, really ugly, the transfer portal for college athletics. So with that, that wraps up the big three, wraps up number three of the big three and the big three overall here on Moonlight Madness. When we come back, we're going to take a look around Auburn athletics, dive into some Auburn football and basketball. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Wego 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins. Joining me tonight is Daniel Locke in studio here on the campus of Auburn University. We are rolling on with the show as we are halfway through the episode already. Crazy, but time flies when you're having fun. So now we're going to jump into taking a look around Auburn athletics. We're going to dive into some Auburn football and some Auburn basketball. So to start, we're going to take a look at Auburn football, of course, the season is now officially over for college football as Auburn lost the Birmingham Bowl to Houston in what was pretty much a sloppy game. And Auburn had the lead late in that game, but ultimately let Houston come back, score, and win. And Auburn was down a lot of players, had people hurt, transfer, that kind of thing, playing with TJ Finley at quarterback. So take that as you will. And Houston was good, they're a top 15 team. Auburn could have won the game, maybe should have, but at the end of the day, they lost the bowl game, which it hurts because that could have been a lot of momentum coming into the offseason with recruiting and the team as a whole, but I'll be really honest, the last three weeks, two weeks, ever since that game has been over, recruiting and everything has been skyrocketing. So somehow it didn't really hurt us as much as I thought it would. Um we as Auburn, Brian Harson hit the recruiting trail hard. We had the national signing day, the early signing day period, where Harson somehow by the grace of God, I think, pulled a top 15 recruiting class as of right now with still guys on our radar for the normal signing day that comes in February next month. So, I said it would be a miracle for Brian Harson in his first Full recruiting cycle to pull a top 20 class. That is what I said from the very beginning. You can go back and listen to some of my shows where I talked about it on here. I said, if Brian Harson can pull a top 20 class in his first full year of recruiting, I think we're in really good hands. And this man has pulled a top 15 class already with a possibility to be a top 10 class by the time recruiting is done,
1: Daniel. It's insane. And he has shown, I really feel like with this, he's showing that he is the guy for this job. And as of today, we're sitting at number 13. Um, Kentucky's not, our score right now is a 231.36. Kentucky is at number 12. They're a 2.3397. I think we could easily take that over in the next couple days. No doubt. And, like I said,
0: there's still some guys out there that Auburn's looking to to sign and to get on this team with the normal signing period that will be ending in February, and not just on the recruiting trail that Harson has hit hard. He has really gotten this team motivated and buying into what he's selling because Auburn football has had, just off the top of my head, 15 or 20 guys that have said, I'm coming back to play one more year under Brian Harson in this system. And the biggest one at the top of my head, Tank Bigsby, our running back that went over a thousand yards. And and they've all said, I'm coming back for one last ride because I'm buying what Brian Harson's selling.
1: Owen oh, Papo's coming back too. I'm I'm pretty excited. I think that these guys are going to be good next year. I really do. And of course, the topic we
0: just discussed, the transfer portal, Harson hit that hard as well as Auburn picked up Calzada, the quarterback from Texas A&M, he's now come in to add to the depth of that quarterback room to add on with the freshman coming in and then obviously TJ Finley's there and Demetrius Davis, so there's four guys there in the room right now that you could say have a shot. I mean, I think we're going to have Auburn, you know, Auburn's going to have a QB battle. They're going to have it in the spring and the summer and If Auburn sticks to what they normally do, nobody's going to know who the quarterback is until day one when they run out on the field in September.
1: Yeah, and honestly, that's kind of the way I like it. I feel like that helps keep the drama to a minimum. No doubt. So my biggest thing, though, is
0: the players already on the team that are buying in and are backing up Brian Harson because they truly believe he's building something special. And he's only been here one year, okay? He went 6-7 and in his first year. Obviously, that's not good. That's a losing season. But a lot of injuries, a lot of talent lost, and overall, though, that's huge for Brian Harson, if you ask me, because he did a – not a lot, I guess, but he did quite a bit with very, very little, in my opinion. And now he's got guys on this team that could have gone somewhere else, could have gone pro, whatever – buying into what he's selling and they truly truly believe he's building something special and they want to come back and they want to be a part of
1: it yeah i really do feel like he is building something special and who wouldn't want to be part of it like this is an exciting time there's a great feel around this program and you know i feel like in by the time i leave here we're going to be seeing some very good things out of our auburn tigers on the field i
0: believe so too i've said it all season long I like Brian Harson. I think he's still the guy. He's got the right mentality. He's got the right attitude. And it's straight up, when you come to Auburn, you're coming to play for me. And this is my program, and we're going to do it my way. But if we do, we're going to be successful. That's, That's how I feel his message is to the team. And they love it. And I think they're buying in. They're ready to go. So Auburn's got guys coming back. Auburn's got guys through the portal. And Auburn, right now, has fantastic recruits coming in for the football team with still some work to do. Because if you follow Trevon Reed on, on
1: Twitter, he always says, we ain't done. And I like that mentality, and I feel like it's what you got to take. Because, you know, the job's never done. It's never truly done. There's always something else to do, and you've just got to find a way to stay locked in.
0: No doubt. So we'll see how Auburn football finishes recruiting. When February rolls around, we'll see where the Tigers end up being in the recruiting rankings. At least top 15 have a real legitimate chance to push for top 10. So moving on into Auburn basketball, which, of course, is not only the hottest team in the SEC, but I think they're the hottest team in the country. And not only the hottest team, right now, Daniel, they are the
1: best team in college basketball. You know it. And it's been a fun year. I'm enjoying it so much. You know, we've got that game against Kentucky very soon. Hopefully that will be a good uh, little late birthday present for me. And I really think that we're going to be able to get that done.
0: It would be an early birthday present for me. Two days before my birthday, we play Kentucky on January 22nd right here in Auburn. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a huge turnout big atmosphere. But Auburn basketball right now, they're fifteen and one, four and zero in SEC play. Their only loss is to double overtime to Yukon way back in the beginning of the season. That was the only loss they've had. And they and played it was good enough.
1: Triple overtime.
0: Was it triple or double overtime?
1: Oh uh, double. My bad. No, I'm you're sorry. Good. I,
0: I thought it was double, but I just want to make sure. So yeah Auburn basketball's only loss is a double overtime loss to UConn way back in the first two weeks of the season where nobody really knew what this team was. But if they played UConn today, they'd beat them by
1: 20 points. Oh, yeah, UConn has shown that they are not amazing. Yeah, they're still good, but they're not
0: as good as they played that day. And, of course, Auburn basketball just coming off of a huge road victory at Alabama on Tuesday night which was a top 25 win on the road in the SEC. I don't care what the score is. I don't care how you think your team played. If you pick up that right there,
1: you ought to be happy. Yeah, I agree. You know, in college basketball, a win over a ranked opponent on the road is always something to be appreciative of. No doubt. I think Auburn played
0: pretty well. They didn't play great, and yet they still won. And here's the thing about Auburn basketball so far this year. I have not seen this team play a good game yet. As a whole, for 40 minutes, I have not seen Auburn play a good game yet, which is scary. That is so scary if you're any other team in the country, especially in the SEC, because what I mean by that is, of course, Auburn's winning, and they've looked decent, but I'm saying for a full 40 minutes, put it together, of everybody playing on a string, everybody playing – out of their minds, and just playing clean, great basketball. And it's coming. I'm telling you it's coming. And when Auburn does that, they're going to be unbeatable.
1: Yeah, and I really hope that happens at the right time. We get to see another deep run, Lord willing, a national championship. No doubt. And right now,
0: they're the number four team in the country. But Baylor lost the other night, the number one team in the country. They lost at home to Iowa State, I believe. And so, if Auburn can take care of business this Saturday on the road at Ole Miss, which is a tough game, by the way. Ole Miss, like Bruce Pearl said earlier today in his press conference, nobody has beaten Auburn more since he showed up than Ole Miss. They've beaten Auburn 10 of the last 14 times that they've played each other in the Bruce Pearl era, which really? is crazy to think about. Yes. Yeah, I would
1: have guessed Kentucky. Right. Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. Ole Miss nuts. has
0: beaten Auburn more times than any other team in the league in the Bruce Pearl era. So that's a road game at Old Miss Saturday night. If Auburn can take care of business there, which they should, if they show up to play, which I have no doubts that they will, there's a legitimate chance that this team could be number one in the country
1: when the new A P. poll comes out on Monday. I hope so, man. That would just be that would just be awesome. And I don't believe that that's ever been done in Auburn history. I'm not sure on that. I I I'm would a, think no, but I'm not sure. So If I don't fact-check me, someone on Twitter <laughs> will, so I'm just going to get it done yep, right now. Go
0: ahead, and, go ahead and confirm that for me real quick. But there's no doubt right now that this Auburn team has every chance in the world and has all the talent in the world to make another Final Four run, and not just that, but to win the national title, which is so crazy because – Auburn has this this kid who he's he's all right, I guess. Wouldn't you say Jabari Smith? Do you think he's all right? I mean, I think I
1: could take him one on one, but
0: Yeah, maybe on a good day. You know, he's only gonna be probably the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. And I am confident in that answer right now. Unless, you know, God forbid he gets hurt or just drops off anything like that. There's no doubt in my mind that right now, Jabari Smith. Number 10, the freshman for Auburn basketball, is the number one pick in the upcoming 2022 NBA draft this summer. The kid is unbelievable. The the guy can do whatever he wants to do on a basketball court. If he wants to post you up, he's going to score. If he wants to shoot an 18-foot jump shot, the worst shot in college basketball, by the way, he's going to do it, and he's going to make it. If he wants to step up and shoot a three in transition, he's going to do that too. If he wants to block your shot, he'll do it. He can do whatever he wants on a basketball court, and there's nobody in the country that can stop him. No. I just found it. Auburn has never been number one. So Auburn's never been number one in the country, and there's a, there's a good chance that they could be ranked number one come Monday. But here's the thing I'll say before we go to break. Even if Auburn gets to number one and even if Auburn continues to win, there has to be a game in there somewhere before we get to the tournament that we need to lose. I agree. We need to lose somewhere. Auburn has got to lose a game somewhere before the SEC tournament, maybe a, a tough road game, just so they know they're beatable. Because yeah. that's the worst mentality to have in the tournament is that, well, there's nobody that can beat us because then you underestimate teams. And in the tournament, March Madness, you never know what's going to happen. So and it I,
1: seems like – I'm sorry to interrupt you. Again, no, you're good. But it seems like coaches like Coach K and these great coaches can't get their players to realize that. Like That's a tough thing to do. Yeah,
0: obviously you don't want a team to lose, but it's good for the mentality overall. So Auburn football on the up, on the ups, I would say, with recruiting and coming into a new season. A lot of people coming back. And then, of course, Auburn basketball, the hottest team on campus, hottest team in the country right now. 15-1 and overall, number four in the country, big game on the road at Ole Miss on Saturday night before coming back for a couple more games here in Auburn Arena. When we come back, on Moonlight Madness, I'll give you a live score update from around the country, and then we'll take a look at everybody's favorite segment, What Are the Odds? You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on WeGo 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on WeGo 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins. I'm joined by Daniel Locke in studio tonight. We are entering the final 15 minutes of the show. Well, more like 11 now, but final segments of the show for the first episode of the semester here on Weagle 91.1 FM. So I'm going to give you a live score update from some scores around the country. We got a lot going on all over America. We got some NBA on, NCAA, college basketball, and some NHL hockey games on as well. So let me run through some of the scores going on right now. First in the NBA, the Warriors and the Bucks. supposedly the game of the night, Golden State and Milwaukee, and the Bucks are all over the Warriors at halftime. It is to 77-38 just now starting the third quarter. That is a 30-something point lead at the half. That is crazy. Okay, that's, that's insane. The Timberwolves and the Grizzlies tied up at 36. A little bit to go there in the second quarter. And then the Thunder and the Brooklyn Nets just getting underway. Thunder up 15-11 in the first quarter. And also the Pelicans and the Clippers Pelicans all over the Clippers, 44-24 in the second quarter. One more game to go off tonight in the NBA. The Portland Trailblazers visiting the Denver Nuggets. That is at 9 o'clock Central Time, 10 o'clock Eastern Time. In the NHL, 11 games tonight in the National Hockey League. The Bruins and the Flyers, Boston and Philadelphia. It's currently 3-2 lead for the Bruins at the end of the second period. The Columbus Blue Jackets visiting the Carolina Hurricanes. Jackets up 2-0 at the end of the second period. The Canucks in the Lightning, and it's currently a 2-1 lead for the Lightning at the end of the second period. Winnipeg Jets visiting the Detroit Red Wings. The Jets are currently up 2-0 on the road halfway through the second period. New Jersey Devils, New York Islanders, tied up at one at the start of the, eh, about halfway through the second period. Seattle Kraken, The NHL's newest team currently up 1-0 on the St. Louis Blues at the end of the first period. Buffalo Sabres up 1-0 on the Nashville Predators at the end of the first, and the Montreal Canadiens tied with the Chicago Blackhawks at zero at the start of the first period. Three more games to go off in the NHL tonight. Ottawa Senators visiting the Calgary Flames, the Pittsburgh Penguins visiting the LA Kings, and the New York Rangers visiting the San Jose Sharks. Give you a couple score updates in college basketball. We'll just do some top 25 matchups going on right now. Oklahoma State on the road at Texas Tech. Oh, I think that's the team that beat Baylor the other night. It was Texas Tech. I said Iowa State earlier. I correct myself. Yeah. So, Oklahoma State at Texas Tech coming off a big win against Baylor on the road. Texas Tech up 67-49, uh, nearing the end of the game there. And then Ohio State visiting Wisconsin, 16 visiting 13. It is a currently a 10-point lead for Wisconsin, 74-64, with two minutes to go in the game. couple more games to go off tonight. Oregon visiting UCLA. Colorado visiting Arizona. BYU to visit Gonzaga. And Oregon State traveling to USC. In one game that's already in the books, DePaul, unranked DePaul, defeats Seton Hall, ranked 20th in the country, 96-92 to on their home floor. So an upset yet again in college basketball. Well, that was a little live score update for you here on the show, taking a look around the country at all different scores and all different sports. So with just a few minutes to go, we're going to get into what are the odds. If you're new here, this is a segment I started last semester, and I really did enjoy it. So I try to pick some games coming up for the upcoming weekend. I was doing football all last semester with the NFL in college, and I'm going to continue to do the NFL until it wraps up, and then I'll do some basketball and some hockey as well. If I see something that I like So basically I go through the games For the weekend I pick what I like I give you my official picks I keep I keep up with my overall record And You can You can ride with me Or you can not ride with me But I will say Last semester I was 25 and 16 Overall on the season So I was up Nine You know Up nine units That's pretty decent You know I mean I
1: wonder what my record is And my appearances on here I don't
0: know I'd have to go back and listen Um yeah, I'm not sure what you how you ended up, but I went 25 and 16, which that's pretty good. And that's you know, that's not a ton of studying. That's just kind of what I think off the top of my head and what I use my confidence in 25 and 16 overall last semester. So we'll see if we can keep up the winning this semester. And so basically, I look at the spread, I look at the money line, and I look at the totals for each game. Money line, who do you think is going to win the game? Whether you're looking at basketball, football, hockey, whatever, the money line is going to be straight up who you think is going to win. The minus number is going to be the favorite. The plus number is going to be the the underdog. And when it comes to that, if you put money on the favorite, you got to bet more to win less. And on the underdog, you bet less to win more. On the spread – It says minus five and a half. That means that Vegas, like better than Vegas, think that team's going to win by six or more points. Or you can take a team plus five and a half. They can win or lose by up to five and a half points. And then the total, the over under, is that's the total amount of points that Vegas thinks is going to be scored in a game. So you can either take the over or the under. So taking a quick look at the upcoming NFL playoff games this weekend, I've got three official picks for you tonight. I'm going to give you all the betting odds for the games coming up, and I'm going to give you my three picks. I like to run through the games that I like that you should keep an eye on, and then I'll give you my official picks for the games that we run through. So for the NFL wild card games, starting on Saturday, the Raiders visiting the Bengals. The Bengals are currently five and a half point favorites with an over under of 49. I like the Raiders plus five and a half. Okay, I like. The Raiders plus five and a half on the road in Cincinnati. Why? Because Cincinnati has never proven to me that they can win in the playoffs. I don't care how good they think they are right now. I think it'll be a close game. I still think Cincinnati wins. My first official pick, Raiders plus five and a half. Then you have the Patriots and the Bills. Okay, the Bills are currently four-point favorites right now, and the total is 44 points. It's supposed to be frigid cold, like negative degrees in Buffalo that night. And I like the under 44. I don't think there's going to be many points scored. I think it's going to be cold, a lot of ground game. And overall, I just don't think there's going to be many points scored. So that's my second official pick. Give me the under 44 in the Patriots and the Bills. Then on Sunday, the Eagles visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers are currently 8.5-point favorites, over under a 45 and a half. Not going to touch it. Surely the Buccaneers will take care of business there. But I'm going to stay away. From that one. Then this one's been getting a lot of attention. The 49ers and the Cowboys in Dallas. Cowboys are currently a three-point favorite. But I've heard that the 49ers are getting a lot of love in Vegas right now. A lot of people putting money on the 49ers to come in there and win that game. With the over-under of 50.5, I'm going to stay away. Because I really don't know what's going to happen, Daniel.
1: I'm going to take it. What do you like? Give me the Cowboys on the under. Okay. All right. Over-under is 51.
0: Okay, so you think so do you think they're going like the teams combined are going to score more than 50 points or less than 50 points? Less. Okay, so you've got the under in 49ers Cowboys. All right. I'll make sure to make a note of that. And then Steelers and Chiefs on Sunday night, Pittsburgh visiting Kansas City. The Chiefs are 12 and a half point favorites. And if you listen to my show, I always say stay away from double wow, excuse me. double digit favorites in the NFL. Cuz I think it's just so hard to win in the NFL and especially to win by double digits. But I think there's such a big differential in these two teams. Give me Kansas City -12 and a half against Pittsburgh. I think they're going to win by two touchdowns or more at home against just a, you know, an old Big Ben. It's it's all it comes down to. Patrick Mahomes is too good. This Kansas City team is hot right now. Give me the Chiefs -12 and a half against the Steelers. On Sunday night. And then the Monday night game, Arizona Cardinals visiting the LA Rams. The Rams are currently four-point favorites with an over-under of 49 and a half. Staying away from that one because it could go either way. Not really sure what's going to happen there. So my official picks of the night: Raiders plus five and a half against the Bengals on Saturday, under 44 points for Bills and Patriots Saturday night, and the Chiefs minus 12 and a half against the Steelers. On Sunday night. And Daniel, you have the under of 40, or excuse me, under of 51 in the 49ers and the Cowboys. I do. And I'm also going to take the Cardinals on the upset. Okay. You're going to take Cardinals on the upset. Well, we'll see how our picks turn out in the NFL this weekend. I want to thank you so much for joining me yet again here on Moonlight Madness. And also thank Daniel, who has become such a great guest for me on the show. So, Daniel, thanks for stopping by. Thank you all for listening so much. And again, you're listening to Moonlight Madness. My name is Jacob Goins. You can listen here every Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. right here on Weagle, 91.1 FM, on our website, wglfm.com. And if you can't catch the show live, make sure you type in Moonlight Madness wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week. War Eagle. Thanks for listening to Moonlight Madness. Tune in next Thursday at 7, right here on Weagle 91.1 FM, Auburn. If you ever miss a show, just search Moonlight Madness on your podcast app of choice. Tune in next time for Moonlight Madness, Thursdays at 7, right here on Weagle 91.1 FM.